0: This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Murphy's Law says if anything can go wrong, it will. If you wash your car on a Saturday morning, it will rain Saturday afternoon. If you go to bed early to get a good night's sleep, the phone will ring and wake you up. If you spread a piece of bread with peanut butter and jam and you happen to drop it on the floor, it will certainly land peanut butter and jam side down. (laughs) Murphy's Law says if anything will go wrong, it will. And we all have days like that, right? Alexander certainly does. In this short story, Alexander says, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard and hit my head. And by mistake, I dropped my sweater into the sink while the water was running. And I could tell this was going to be a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. (laughs) All of us have days like that, all of us. And early on in our lives, we learn to respond to these No good, very bad days of our lives. We learn how to respond and how to get through it. Responses that are deeply rooted in our human nature. First of all, we all tend to react negatively when things don't go the way we plan. Second, we all tend to view problems horizontally from from a strictly uh, human point of view instead of looking toward heaven. Instead of having or developing a godly perspective. And third, we all tend to resist rather than welcome new ideas. Especially if they come from your spouse. (laughs) In all seriousness, if we don't deal with these natural tendencies, they will grow stronger as we grow older. And we see this very clearly in the life of of, uh, Joseph's father, Jacob. Jacob had known God for many years. But his faith was consistently undermined by his negative spirit, his horizontal point of view and his closed mind. We've been working our way through uh, the book of Genesis, the story of, of Joseph in particular, where he's favored by his father in Genesis 37 and hated by his brothers. His brothers eventually sold him into slavery at the age of 17. They were so terribly jealous of him Through a series of events, then Joseph is is, uh, taken to Egypt and later he gets thrown into prison where he interprets the dreams for some guys in Genesis chapter 40. When Joseph interprets the dreams uh, of the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt in Genesis 41, he's released from prison and miraculously he's appointed second in command for all of Egypt. It's really quite a story. He goes from the pit to the pinnacle of success in Egypt in a single day. That's where the God of the impossible comes in. And then we have seven years of plenty in the land of Egypt, seven years of abundant crops that are then followed by seven years of famine. And that's sort of where we're picking up the story today. Genesis 42 opens with Jacob sending his sons to Egypt to buy grain so they have something to eat during this long famine. So if you have a Bible or your Bible app with you this morning, please open to Genesis chapter 42. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. So the brothers traveled down to Egypt to buy grain. They're met by Joseph, their long lost brother, but they don't recognize him and he doesn't reveal himself to them. Their donkeys are loaded with grain, and they head back to Canaan, none the wiser. They stop for the night and open one of the sacks of grain to give food to the donkeys, and that's when they realize that money had been placed back in the sack. A little bit later, Genesis 42:29, when they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, when they get home, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, the man, the Lord of the land, roughly, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households, and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me, referring to Benjamin. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men, and I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. So instead of this being a really happy occasion for the family, it becomes a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day for Jacob, Joseph's father. As the sons rolled out the story, they conveniently left some of the details out. They didn't tell their father, Jacob, about the three days that they spent in prison when they first went to Egypt, and they didn't tell their father about the money that they found in the sack when they stopped overnight to feed the donkeys. We don't know exactly what Jacob is thinking while he listens to his son's incredible tale. But remember, Jacob's life, his background is just... Packed full of deceit and, and, and manipulation. And it's deeply ingrained in his nature to think the worst. And pretty soon things do go from bad to worse. And Jacob's natural tendencies just begin to spill out all over the place. <laughs> Verse 35. As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money... They were afraid. So here they are in the midst of a desperate situation, a famine with no crops and no way to earn a living from the soil. And then they, they, they find all this money in the mouth of the sacks of grain, but their reaction is not, praise God, hallelujah, he's providing for us. No, they don't do the lotto 649 happy dance. Instead, they were very afraid, the scripture says. And then verse 36, Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. Remember, Joseph wanted him to stay back in Egypt. And now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me poor guy, all this has come against me. He's feeling like the whole world is against him. His negative, horizontal thinking spills out all over the place. All this has come against me, he says. But in in all of this, not once did Jacob stop to inquire of heaven. Not once does he ask, what is God doing here? Not once does he stop and think about what God may be trying to say through all of this. Not once did he look to heaven for answers. Verse 37. Then Reuben said to his father, you may kill my two sons if I don't bring Benjamin back to you. I'll be responsible for him and I promise to bring him back. But Jacob replied, my son will not go down with you. His brother Joseph is dead, and he's all I have left. If anything should happen to him on your journey, you would send this grieving white-haired man to his grave. Yeah, so Jacob is really struggling here. He's he's wrestling with God. He's, He's just grappling with his circumstances. And, and maybe he's just thinking about all the mistakes that he's made along the way. I don't know. But as our study continues into the next chapter of Genesis, Genesis 43, we're going to see Jacob go through a progression of phases in his struggle to come to terms with his circumstances. And the very first phase that, en- that Jacob enters into is, is one called denial and delay. We're going to call it denial and delay. Genesis 43, verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah, one of Jacob's sons, said to him, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother Benjamin is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, as clear as the noses on our faces, you shall not see my face unless your brother Benjamin is with you. So he he said it as strongly as he could to his father, but his father Jacob is is in denial. He's, He's unwilling to face reality. He will not even discuss it with his family. His mind is made up. His mind is closed. He will not entertain any new ideas from his sons. And, and then when Judah tried to shake his father out of his, his de- deli- denial and his delay, Jacob responded with blame and deceit. So denial and delay gives way to blame and deceit. In verse 6, Israel asked, Jacob asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? What's the matter with you? You should have just lied to him. So he's blaming his sons and encouraging them to be deceitful. They replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know he would say, Bring your brother down here. Then Judas said to Israel his father, Send the boy along with me, and we will go at once, so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you, I will bear the blame before you for the rest of my life. As it is, if we had not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice by now. Just a gentle rebuke to his dad in the last little bit of what he says there. But this is such a sad part of the story. And instead of taking responsibility and leading his family the way that a father should, Jacob shifts the blame to his sons, his adult sons, for all of his troubles. Dads, I hope you don't ever do that. Don't shift the blame in your family. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your kids. Take the responsibility that God has given you to lead your family and disciple your family and love your family and lay down your life for your family. Don't be a Jacob. Such a sad part of the story. Why did you tell the man you had another brother? You should have just lied to him. That's a terrible example for a father to be. Blame and deceit. The boys are trying to help their dad see truth. But Jacob is blinded by his natural tendencies like many of us are many times. He's blinded by his own natural tendencies and by his own brokenness. Finally, though, Jacob gives in, but responds with what I call tolerance and uncertainty. Just have a look at verse 11. Genesis forty-three, eleven. Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Do this. Take some of the choice fruits of the land in your bags and carry a present down to the man. A little balm and a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, almonds. Take double the money with you. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. (laughs) He's hoping it was an oversight. Jacob finally agrees to let Benjamin go but not without gifts and money and pistachios and almonds and all kinds of stuff to temper the suspicions of the Egyptian uh, official, his own son, Joseph. So Jacob really falls back into his old patterns. He's trying to manipulate, maneuver the situation, just like he did with Esau years before. Remember, he sent flocks and herds and goats and cattle and all kinds of stuff on to, to, to Esau before he got to Esau, hoping that Esau would see all these gifts and, 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 and favor him. Old patterns of maneuvering and manipulating. Listen, when you're, when you're facing challenges or trials or difficulties in your life, don't give in to the natural tendencies. To fall back into the old ways, old habits of maneuvering and manipulating, deceit and blame, don't do it. But this is the best horizontal plan that Jacob can think of. We'll send some gifts, and hopefully, hopefully, they'll be they'll, they'll they'll favor us. They'll let Benjamin come home. He has no vertical plan. His plan is strictly horizontal. He never once calls out to God for advice, counsel. No, there's no blueprint for putting hope and trust in the Lord. And yet, there's a glimmer of, of faith. We see a glimmer of faith beginning in verse 13. Here, Jacob finally made some movement toward a guarded faith and abandonment. Take also your brother, and arise. Go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before Joseph, and may he send back your other brother, Simeon, and Benjamin. And as for me, if I'm bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. So the men took this present, and they took double the money with them and Benjamin, They arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. So finally, in the the last phase of his struggle, Joseph finally offers a little prayer. Superficial though it may be, the words still point to a faint glimmer of faith in his life. May God Almighty grant you mercy. And you know, really, he should have just stopped there. But he goes on to say, "And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, then I am bereaved. What kind of a thing is that to say? If I lose my children, then so be it? If none of you come back from Egypt, then I'll just have to live with that? That is not awe-inspiring faith, my friends. Jacob does not take the high road here. He's simply expressing his groanings of a sad dad and, ha- and haven't we haven't we all had terrible horrible no good very bad days like this days when our faith loses its struggle against the undercurrents of negativism and a horizontal point of view and resistance to new ideas sure we have we've all had days like that so let's not be too too hard on jacob Rather, let's focus on some ideas that will help us to swim against the tide of our natural tendencies. Here's some practical ideas for application. First of all, realize and admit your negative mentality. So much of the cure is in the confession. Just just repent of your negative attitude. Don't, don't, Don't hide it. Don't deny it. Just talk to Jesus about it, and He will help you overcome. Second, Force a vertical focus until it becomes a habit. The tendency to view life horizontally from a worldly perspective is not going to just lie down and surrender because we tell it to do so. It it has to be replaced time and time and time and time again with a vertical perspective. We've got to force a vertical perspective until it becomes a habit. How do you do that? Well, you do that by preaching the gospel to yourself every single day. Every day when you get out of bed, face your own sinfulness and your brokenness and then run as quick as you can to Jesus through faith. Every day, go to the Word of God. Saturate yourselves and your mind, your heart in the Word of God. Remind yourself that your salvation is because of God's grace, not because of your goodness. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. Psalm 103. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah 53, 6. So now, now that we are believers in Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. My friends, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And we need it every day. We need the gospel every day. So preaching the gospel to yourself every single day will force you... Into, into a vertical focus and it will become a habit if you do it often enough and long enough. Here's the last idea for application. Stay open to a new idea for at least five minutes. <sighs> Try holding off just five minutes before you decide whether to accept or reject a new idea, new concept, new development. Just give yourself five minutes. Because once you've made a hasty decision, your pride will do everything it can to keep you from backing down. I know that by experience. Jacob was not open to the ideas brought to him by his sons. His mind had been closed. And that's just a natural tendency. That's, that's how we kind of react or respond to the things uh, that don't go as planned. We, we close our minds to new ideas. He had made up his mind, and that was it. And I, I, I just have to admit that I do that several times a week. My wife might say, I do it several times a day. I just make up my mind, that's it, boom. Don't talk to me about any other ideas. But I don't want to be a Jacob. I don't want to always fall back to old patterns and old habits, do you? No. None of us can escape having terrible horrible no good very bad days from time to time it's it's just, we live in a fallen world and that's going to happen so maybe that day today and tomorrow and the day after every day is a good day to preach the gospel to ourselves again don't you think would you pray with me let's pray together dear heavenly father we thank you this morning for this inspired story of joseph and the God of the impossible. It, it is chock full of the gospel, and it helps us to see Jesus more, more clearly. Father, everybody listening to my voice today struggles from time to time with negativity or a, a horizontal perspective or closed mind. These are just the natural tendencies that, that we have grown up with. Jacob's mistakes have become your instrument for reaching us and teaching us today, and we thank you for that. We're asking you today, Lord, for a double portion of forgiveness and grace to overcome the lingering natural tendencies so that we can live our lives worthy of the gospel, so that we can be shining examples of the power of God to change lives. This we pray in the trustworthy and powerful Name of Jesus, amen.